Hey, Mugwarts. Welcome to Wormwood and Witches, a podcast all about the strange and unusual. (laughs) Tally and Erica invite witches and weirdos from all backgrounds to the conversation of the mystic and divine. Come fly with us on this journey as we explore ritual, magic, and the peculiar. Hosted by Anchor, you can find us on all of your favorite streaming platforms. You can also find us on Facebook at Wormwood and Witches Podcast or Instagram at Wormwood and Witches. Oh my gosh. We're back! We're back. We both got computers that work. Life is amazing when you actually have technology that works. I know we both do. I actually have a my own laptop and I'm not using the work laptop anymore. Um, so stepping up. <laughs> Moving on up in the world. Uh, we well, are Wormwood and Witches. I'm Tally and Erica is on the other end. Woo woo. And we're here to talk about fun arsenicy things today. All the fun arsenicy things. Oh yeah. How have you been? It's been like two months. I mean, it's been two months or so since we've podcasted. You and I have seen each other before then, which has been good because we did, we hosted on behalf of Wormwood and Witches, a fun Ostera spring equinox witchy celebration uh which was yeah. super fun i mean if you're in the know you got an invite but yeah just kidding <laughs> yeah yeah it was fun. well also it's like yeah we're like uh it's a little hard to like host like 30 people so we'll we'll oh, cap yeah. it at like 10 yeah <laughs> yeah and see <laughs> who's interested in in from the get-go yeah that was a nice solid number yeah it was a lot of fun. We, uh, if you've seen our Instagram post uh, or our TikTok, uh, Tally did a wonderful job of documenting it. Of that, we wrote our intentions on some um, wax paper that went underneath the hot cross buns uh, or solar buns. Uh, we dyed eggs with all natural dyes, which was pseudo like a science experiment that some came out better than others the black beans never actually took to being like purple or blue um but i made a grave mistake by because i was just like (laughs) buying eggs normal and then i never buy the white ones and it wasn't until i was hard boiling them that i was like oh you kind (laughs) of need white eggs to to die like eggs easter bunny eggs so i was like well we're just gonna see how this rolls so the the beets did pretty well and then the turmeric onion peels seemed to do good as well so did they yeah so i think we'll just keep experimenting and then what else did we do we did a seed swap we Mm -hmm. planted some seeds and just ate a lot of good food and hung out so we've we've already brainstormed a bunch about other sabbats that we want to host. yeah so yeah it'll be super exciting we got the creative juices flowing yeah it was it was a really good time and it was a lovely day and then now we're back to winter um oh my god <laughs> i didn't even realize it was supposed to snow until i like i was like oh the temperature is dropping yeah, and that's usually indicative of something. So I asked Google last night. I was like, "How much is it supposed to snow?" She's like, two and a half inches." I was like, "I got a lot." Second winter. Yeah, and I mean, it's like twenty nine degrees outside, so super fun. But I think we're supposed to have sixty degree weather this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I will be in. Um, much warmer weathers by about 20 degrees going back to my old my old home state of Tejas 
Texas. Do yep. you wear a 10 gallon hat when you go to oh, Texas? Hell yeah. No. Some boots. No, I do have uh I do have some boots that I ordered from Austin that I've been wanting for a really long time and I got them like this might definitely over a year ago and I have never worn them yet cuz it's like now I'm like where do I wear where do I dress up? I don't dress up and where am I going to wear them? Well, like, now it's oh, time to dress up for your your concert that you're going to, right? I yeah, Depeche Mode doesn't really warrant uh cowboy boots necessarily. So even when they're playing in Texas, <laughs> no the big state of Texas, <laughs> it'll it'll all be some old goth kids. Heck yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited. I guess that's my witchy woo that I get to go to uh Texas to go see Depeche Mode back when they only announced five dates. And so me and a bunch of girlfriends from elementary on through high school, I don't know, there's like 10 or 15 of us getting together. Some people I haven't seen since high school or even earlier. So, um, so it's going to be fun, like a little mini reunion last. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be fun. And like 85 degrees. So I'll be dying. <laughs> You're going to be like, this is what summer is supposed to feel like. Yeah. I mean, we'll get ours soon in about three months. Eventually. Eventually. And it'll only last three months before we go back into that's Yeah. Yeah. So anyone wanting to come here, just, just know it's uh, only hot for like three months out of the year. Pretty much. A very short growing season. It's always snowing. Just kidding. Uh, what's your witchy woo? Uh, that we, Dan and I went to H Mart last night and bought a ton of food that I'm super excited for. But yeah. the, <laughs> that was a great so, video you posted on your I personal account. Some, <laughs> some people know what I'm talking about, especially these commercials with these Vignetta ice cream cakes that uh-huh. were from my childhood. They were like the epitome of being like the fanciest bitch on the planet. I was like, it they my mom only bought them for special occasions, but uh they're like these <laughs> like really fancy ice cream cakes with like thin layers of chocolate in there. And I just remember feeling super fancy as I was eating them as a child in the 90s. And then they disappeared for like the, they stopped making them. Uh-huh. And we were just cruising around in H Mart, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And Dan was <laughs> like, "What is this? I've never heard of this. I've never seen any of the commercials because the commercials were like basically it seems like the fancy fees commercials, but like, right? In my opinion, but for ice cream cake, right? And so, uh, so yeah, so I bought it for fifteen dollars, and then of course there's people in the comments that are like. Yeah, regular grocery stores carry this again. I was like, you tell me which Kroger or which Safeway. Right. And I will go to that one. But as far as I know, I've not seen these (laughs) in the grocery store except for the H Mart. So, right. That's funny. So I had a slice, drank some wine, and watched the Mayfair witches in the bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Living my best life. I was oh like sitting God. there like licking the plate because I was like, this is 15 <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna get it all. $15. I was like <laughs> I was like, I could be nice and give this to my sweet baby child that's sitting next to me in the next to the bathtub. Pip the dog likes to hang out with me. And I was like, this is too precious to share. <laughs> You don't even get any pip. That's hilarious. I love that you're eating ice cream in the bathtub watching TV. <laughs> Living the next life. level. I'm going to start doing that. Dude, everybody should. It's great. Yeah. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. That's so funny. It, it would probably keep me occupied. I get in the bathtub and as much as I think I love it, then I get in and I'm just bored and don't know what to do, you, do. And can't sit do you still. also make them incredibly hot because I always get in yes. and I'm like why did I make it so fucking hot I'm like sweating yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 
or you just can't even get into it. So then it's 10 more minutes you have to wait. So yeah, I just, I don't know. That's fair. I'm a, I'm not a good bath taker. So I, I feel you. I'm usually not that committed. So, but not, not like my husband. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, But yeah, so good witchy woos, I think. Yeah. We've got. Yeah. So I think so. Should we start? Yeah. Get into some arsenic. Yeah. Get into some poison. Poison. Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm going to go through some history and some uh, medicines about it. Couple of moitas. Air quotations around that medicine. Well, you'd be surprised. Oh, um, God. And and just briefly, briefly touch on some moitas. Um, <clears throat> but I just there's a lot of history and other stuff behind it. So I kind of nerded out on on that. Um, so let's get into it. <laughs> uh I don't know if people know this, but it is a natural occurring substance commonly found in soils, sediments, and your groundwater. And these compounds occur naturally uh, through mining or smelting and industrial use. And it's a chemical element with the symbol A, big A, little s, and the atomic number is 33. Mm. So it I think uh, that's why, you know, nobody wants to live near um, any mining facilities and things like that because of the chemical water uh, runoff in the water and all of that. And it's just bad news bears. Um, Arsenic occurs. Yeah, right. I mean, well, and we know it's always in poor communities. And then it's like, oh, why do they have cancer? Nobody cares. Nobody Um, cares. Yeah. Uh, arsenic occurs in many minerals, usually in a combination with sulfur and metals, but also as a pure elemental crystal. Ooh. I'm like, Ooh, can we get some arsenic crystals? <laughs> that would be cool. It kind of <laughs> reminds me of, <laughs> uh, like the weirdness of the way that asbestos, cause I never knew that asbestos actually occurred naturally right. in the ground. And like, yeah, it's like that stringy mineral. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. So I was like, I wonder what arsenic looks like. But now I know it's in a fun crystal form. And you posted a good picture of it. Well, and there are different types, you know, types. Um, (laughs) There are different types or styles. I'm not sure what I was trying to say. Um, So some are dark. Like I think the one I posted kind of like a hematite looking like a grayish black. And then I saw some other ones that kind of had that sulfur look to them, which just saying it combines with sulfur. Um, So they are, there are different variants. Um, I didn't get into that. I just went generic arsenic. Um, And you probably, you're not going to want to eat after this. Because it can be found in seafood, rice, rice cereal, basically any rice product. All um, the things that I bought from H Mart. All the things, mushrooms, poultry, and some fruit juice. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> obviously they're small trace amounts. But we know, you know, certain seafood ha- does have some of the trace minerals that aren't necessarily good for you. I have, um, I have a little card somewhere that tells you the different types of fish that are better to eat than others. Mm, I guess basically uh don't eat bottom feeders. I don't know. Um, but drinking water has the most exposure, which makes sense because of the runoff. Uh, It's also commonly used in pharmaceuticals, wood preservatives, agricultural chemicals, and again, in mining, glass making, and semiconductor industries. Huh. I wonder if it's one of the main chemical compounds in Roundup that causes cancer. I think it might be. It definitely used to be 
put in rat, it might actually still be put in rat poison mm-hmm. um, and pesticides. So mm-hmm. I wonder too. Would just, not be surprised. Yeah. Just killing poor baby dandelions, which are not weeds, people. That's what that's what Roundup wanted to tell you, but they're not weeds. Actually nope. really good for you. So from the Roman Empire through the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, arsenic became the king of poisons. So things mm-hmm. things took a big dive between naturally occurring and then mm, we could use this to kill people. I wonder uh, whoever figured that out. Like they're just like, oh, like Bob died by licking this rock. Yeah. Um, this seems like a good thing that we could use to kill, <laughs> you know, Caesar or something. Not that, yeah. Right. Or attempts or something. Well, it does um, date back to being known as a poison in the first century by, <laughs> okay, I put this in phonetic spelling but i'm still having trouble dioscorides the greek physician in the court of roman emperor nero so he Hmm. he knew it as a poison in the first century um so anyway back to what i was saying with the the renaissance i kind of did this at the uh, in our tiktok we did today uh that it's known as the king of poisons and it's also known as the inheritance powder. So you can knock off family members, which is <laughs> kind of funny um, when it's not, you know, current events like the one in Denver. Um, but it's highly lethal, easy to obtain. Gesundheit, Oscar. He just walked in sneezing. Um, and very, it's virtually undetectable. So that's why it was just so easy to get. I mean, Victorians would just, you know, like their little kids would walk to the store and buy arsenic and there's nobody would bat an eye because it's just, oh yeah, you got some rats. Here you go. Um, No problem. No problem. So yeah. So lack of color, lack of odor, no taste. Um, So, you know, you want to you want to get rid of somebody that's i'm not condoning it considering poison rings recent, yeah the poison yeah totally uh so arsenic could be given in a series of small doses producing a more subtle form of chronic poisoning where you have loss of strength confusion and paralysis uh but the arsenic of choice called white arsenic or arsenic trioxide is a fatal dose, which was equivalent to the size of a pea. Oh my God. Yeah. So they easy enough to do. I mean, that's so easy. It's like good gravy. That's, I mean, you don't want to be near anything like that for (laughs) fear of accidentally inhaling it yourself or something. You're like, I just, I just took a little whiff. Oh shit. Oh shit. I'm dead. Uh, and then during the Middle Ages, the most widely accused of poisoners were the Borgias. Uh, Pope Alexander VI and his son Caesar. Uh, most most people say that uh, Lucrezia was really innocent in the involvement of all of that, but her name is still very much linked to her family and the use of arsenic. Uh, and then in episode 32, I touched on Aqua Tafana made by Julia Tafana. Her mom actually made it, but where it was openly sold as a cosmetic um, to the would-be widows in the 1630s. And she was responsible for at least 600 deaths. Um, One other famous case is Madame Lafarge in France in the early Mm. 1840s. She was accused of poisoning her husband and her case became notable because it was one of the early trials to be followed by the public through daily newspaper reports and was the first person convicted on forensic toxicological toxicological evidence. Uh, So did they like, like do an autopsy on this dude and then like, like, yes, 
somehow found like some traces or some. Yeah, I want to say how they figured it out. Um, so I have in the 1830s and 1840s, scientific improvements, uh, you know, were happening all the time. Um, but the in 1839, the first of the Rural Constabularies Act was passed, which meant that professional county police forces started to appear and then they were able to, you know, figure out deaths more often. And uh, I want to say they could find it in people's stomach. Oh, I guess that would make sense. Like maybe like stomach contents or something. Yeah. I want to say it was some form of stomach issues. I know I read that somewhere and I could not for the life of me find it after, you know, when I was actually looking. Um, But in uh, a Dickens magazine called Household Words, the verb lafarged was used to describe someone having been done away with by poison after Madame Lafarge. Huh. Now I'm so, going to start like looking yeah. this word up in all, like <laughs> books that I'm reading and yeah. whatnot. You just got Lafarged. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's pretty shitty because she probably poisoned her husband because he was an asshole. But... Probably. Don't so... push us to the brink. <laughs> we'll, we'll Lafarge your ass. Um, so then we come to the whole wonderful business of snake oil and things like that. Uh, the arsenic, the arsenic eaters. (laughs) I feel like I would have been an arsenic eater. (laughs) I think we would have, cause it just sounds, you know, it's like a, it, it cures everything. It's like, yarrow although i do believe in yarrow um so eating arsenic was really popular for nearly 100 years from the 1860s oh. i know from the 1860s into the 1920s like that wasn't long ago <laughs> that was not long ago it's just like crazy because it's yeah it's like right? yo this this is bad for you. You should probably not be doing this. Do not eat arsenic. So in the mid 1800s, mountaineers of central Austria made a habit of consuming arsenic preparations once or twice a week as a general stimulant and tonic. They became known as arsenic eaters and some were reputed to have adopted the practice as a means of building up a tolerance against poisoning by their enemies. Um, Hmm. And there has been a degree of tolerance that has been documented. Interesting. So, so just like a quarter size of a pea. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know. And it could have been a different strain perhaps. Mm -hmm. So, because there are different variations of arsenic, Um, but get this. So the Argentinian Andes are built on bedrock full of arsenic, just naturally occurring. So archaeologists examined some mummies that ended up containing high quality quantities of arsenic and people there today seem to be really resistant to arsenic, uh, suffering few ill effects from drinking water full of rat poison. It says was like full of rat poison. Hopefully it's not full of rat poison. Um, a genetic study of the indigenous populations showed that they have the AS3MT gene, which controls a mechanism that lets them flush poisons out of their system faster than most other people, minimizing their exposure. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. You want to roll around in some <laughs> Andean bedrock <laughs> i mean i'd go to the andes but hell, hell yeah it's in our air would... like arsenic is in the air we breathe it's everywhere yeah. so you have to really have have that pea-sized <laughs> dosage of, yeah of white arsenic to uh really lafarge yourself um so <laughs> 
Hippocrates is thought to have used an arsenic paste to treat ulcers and abscess. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't he the father of medicine? Hippocrates, maybe. I think so. Sure. Um, so, and then around in the in 1900 in Frankfurt, Germany, a pharmacologist named Paul Elric was convinced that the toxic potential of arsenic could be harnessed and used therapeutically as a treatment for disease such as syphilis. So he did this by chemically attaching arsenic to various carbon and hydrogen structures, hoping to make it uh, less accessible to binding sites on cells that produce adverse effects for humans. Um, and more specifically toxic for infectious organisms. Hmm. So in 1910, Elric introduced a new arsenic-based drug called Salvarsin, which became known as the magic bullet for treating syphilis and was used until the use of penicillin became more prevalent in the 1940s. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) I also did not realize until I took like a sex psychology course that like syphilis when you are pregnant with it like your baby can be blind and all kinds of terrible things like it's you know because of we're always taught this is how it shows up when it's a sexually transmitted disease not like yo when you give birth to your baby it could be really really bad really bad don't but I, I don't know what's worse <laughs> give me taking arsenic when you're pregnant right uh yeah i mean i wonder how many babies didn't come out alive or were deformed or something because of yeah. that um well it gets worse so one of the oh, yeah <laughs> One of the longest lived medicinal preparations of arsenic was a solution of 1% potassium arsenate called Fowler's solution discovered in 1786 Fowler's solution was first used as a general tonic, as well as the treatment of various diseases, including malaria, syphilis, again, asthma, chorea. I don't know what that is. Eczema and psoriasis. Many reputable dermatologists felt this blend of arsenic, the Fowler solution had value in treatment of psoriasis, and it was still being recommended in dermatology textbooks through the 1960s. Oh my God. 1960s. You know, some of those jives though, like with some of the information that I found as well. So I'm just like, how, how? Yeah, it's wild. Um, you know, I mean, like my parents were born <laughs> already, you know. Um, yeah, so this is a rumor, but it is believed that Charles Darwin self-medicated with Fowler's solution for like health tonics later That's in his interesting. life. Yeah, but maybe it know. gave him some epiphanies. It might have it gave him it gave him something. He could have lafarged himself. Um, Also, it has a rich history of arsenic in uh, cancer and chemotherapy. So even in um, pharmacology texts from the 1880s describes using arsenical paste for the treatment of skin and breast cancer. And in 1878, it was found that Fowler's solution could be effective in lowering the white blood cell counts in leukemia patients. I wonder if some of this still stands true, though. I want to say what I kept seeing was um, I feel like they still use it for leukemia. I mean, when we think about, you know going through chemotherapy and basically it's poisoning ourselves i'm curious to right take a quick deep dive on what's in chemotherapy i believe i believe um it possibly is it does say that the fowler's solution declined over time 
due to its toxicity. Um, but arsenic trioxide did emerge as an effective chemotherapeutic drug for treating cancer. And it, you know, it and really I, kind of felt like it was still being used. Yeah. I mean, I guess as much as we demonize arsenic, right. It seems like some decent things have, they've tried with it. So, right. Because they are, they're, they're seeing some benefits, but it's don't give too much, you know, you have to have a fine line. Um, also back to homeopathics because there's belladonna and eye drops to this day in homeopathic remedies. That still um, boggles my mind. I know. <laughs> Cause I remembered that it was like, I swear I've seen belladonna in homeopathic form. And then when I went and saw the eye drops, it's like, yep, there it is. <laughs> You're like, I wasn't crazy. No. Um, so arsenic is still often used as part of, uh, and it is extremely diluted because homeopathic remedies are pretty much sugar pills, uh, but that it is in homeopathic form for digestive disorders, food poisoning, insomnia, allergies, anxiety, depression, and obsessive compulsive disorder what so we're still it's still being utilized today even mm -hmm. though it's like super diluted that is insanity and uh also used in traditional chinese medicine formulas for psoriasis again syphilis asthma and joint pain hemorrhoids cough itchiness cancer anti-inflammatory agent and your general tonic and painkiller can you imagine if you're a doctor too that you're like oh shit i just accidentally told my patient take twice a day when i meant once a day oh, oh no. i just lafarged my patient <laughs> we're gonna just be using that like left and right all i love it time. all the time um but let's get into some other fun fun poisony things with arsenic Shield green, which I absolutely love. It is stunning. So I could see why people were dying over it. Uh, the color was invented in 1775 by Carl Wilhelm Scheele, who was a Swedish chemist. Uh, it was an artificial colorant that was made by heating up sodium carbonate and adding arsenous oxide stirring the mixture until it was well dissolved. Then the copper, copper sulfate was then added as the final ingredient, which ends up giving it its vibrant green color. And it's almost, it's like, it's just so pretty. Um, mm -hmm. So according to color historian, Victoria Finlay, Scheele invented this green almost by accident uh, a year before the color went into production, he wrote to a friend that he thought users might want to know about its poisonous nature, but what's a little arsenic when you've got a great new color to sell? No biggie. It's fine. Just don't lick the wallpaper. Just don't lick it. Um, <laughs> or wear the clothes. Cause it yeah, wasn't I mean, too, wasn't it? Oh like yeah. Guy. Like these gorgeous dresses. So with that uh, use as a pigment pigment in the 1800s, it was suspected as a major source of unintentional arsenic poisonings. And uh, I mean, it was in everything. It was in candles, toys, the fabric, wallpaper, dresses, hats. <laughs> Just so, reminds me of like lead paint these days right. that our parents come up with. Right. So its use in wallpaper was particularly linked to widespread sickness and death during this period in the 1800s. Concerns associated with the use of wallpaper containing arsenic-based pigments were reported as early as 1839, and the theory was eventually proposed that illness from wallpaper were related to the biotransformation of the arsenic compounds by mold to a toxic arsenic gas. Oh my God. It's like, 
our last of us worst nightmares the freaking mold and mushrooms have like right now combined with arsenic and they're like we found the trifecta right totally but yeah it was in gowns hats gloves socks i mean it was just just even just touching it or wearing it for a few hours would start to make people ill just in a matter of a few hours and children in their rooms were documented as wasting away and women, I I wrote this down, women in green dresses were struck ill swooning in droves. Oh my, Oh my God. I need a fainting chair. Ah. (laughs) Um, and then lastly, Napoleon was sent to exile on the South Atlantic Island of St. Helena in 1815. And during this time, he stayed in a luscious room painted with his favorite color green. And he died six years later, most likely from stomach cancer, but people speculate that it could have been ulcers as well. And analysis of his hair samples show significant amount of arsenic. So it's quite possible that's the root cause. And didn't they just recently test some of his hair? I think I saw that in an article. Like it was like back in 07 or something. Like yeah. it's been like recently mm-hmm. that they found some of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up uh, when I was looking at makeup found that Matilda Schrar Schrar a 19-year-old Schrar uh in November 20th of 1861 I just have my notes here briefly that she was an artificial flower maker oh, yes that she died accidentally yep I, I forgot yes artificial flowers are also part of um the whole bit yeah yeah that she was like floofing the flowers basically <laughs> and like arranging them and then of course died and they said like um that and I don't know if this is like true of her death that it was quote-unquote awful vomiting green waters whites of her eyes turned green and everything she saw was green she was convulsing and foaming of the eyes nose and mouth I'm like really curious if that's like I have out of proportion or if that was like she just got it like a fucking really deep whiff I don't know I feel like uh I feel like I've read that before that like the makers of these products had it obviously worse in more ways than one but I I mean I guess that makes sense though like if you're just like around it all the time yeah, I wanted to do, well, I will do it another time, but like the radium girls and stuff like that, that I want to do. I was like, maybe I can incorporate that into this one. I was like, no, it's already too much. So I I love that story in that sense of, well, I don't love it in any sense, but I love it. You know what I well, mean? Well, maybe we'll get into it. I don't yeah. know. I may have mentioned oh. it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind then. <laughs> All right. Go for it. It's your turn. Do you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Okay. So I'm going to talk about makeup. So Tally kind of covered the where arsenic comes from and all the other fun things that were killing people left and right. Just a um, little bit. Just a smidge, but uh, so where did it all start with uh, when we think about Victorians utilizing makeup and face washes and all that fun things, all those fun things with arsenic in them. And there was a series of editorials or like, yeah, yeah, like things in the paper that got combined into a book that's called The Ugly Girl Papers or Hints for the Toilet. Nice. Which I thoroughly enjoy that title. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was published by a, a woman named S.D. Powers in 1874. So this was like the go-to book of just like, here's all the schools of thought and the advice on how to achieve like the perfect skin and the perfect makeup look. 
Um, and so there were kind of two relative schools of thought, which is funny because when we think about it, things haven't changed very much. Uh, so there was the painted lady, or you could go with the English rose. Uh, those were the the two styles. Oh. Uh, the English rose was much more natural looking. So much like today, like minimalistic, you know, like you're just like pooped out, like just like came out like the birth canal looking beautiful. Jeez. Right. And like, <laughs> I'm just like, like, I just think of like the shining sunlight and stuff like that. And you're like, Maybe it's her, maybe it's Maybelline type of thing, you know, <laughs> just all natural beauty. Um, and the the painted lady on the other end of the spectrum was very white, very pale. Um, so they would kind of more cake on things. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of also now reminds me of um it's it's equated to very much like kind of heroin chic a little bit, like being so pale, like dark eyes and stuff like that, that was in the nineties mm-hmm. um, that you were trying to like achieve this like pale, like very pale um, pigmentation on your skin. So that would allude to the fact that you were not sun kissed. You didn't go outside. You didn't have to do labor so much like the plebs around you so uh so those were kind of like the two schools of thought like natural beauty very minimal or like the painted lady where you would kind of like use some powder or use these washes that i'll talk about to kind of really achieve that pale that pale look um and unfortunately I don't know why they decided that this was the thing that they wanted to aim for, but these aesthetics were born out of people who were dying of consumption or tuberculosis. So they're like, you know what? That's what I want to look like. Super skinny, super pale, very sickly. <laughs> That's I'm going to attract a husband like nobody's business. Like, Well, and it was that way in the 90s, too. Yeah. So, I guess yes, yeah, it, like the '90s heroin yeah. chic. It's just yeah. funny where it's just like yeah. you're on your deathbed. You look hot. <laughs> like what? <laughs> That's what I want to aim for. Yeah. Uh. So how were these looks achieved? So you had talked about belladonna and uh, putting eye drops into your eyeballs to dilate the pupil. So you had like these big doughy eyes. Not to mention probably making you blind in the future and high as a kite. Um, but you would use further night cream. That would be a mixture of mercury, opium, and ammonia. Oh my. And there's actually um ammonia washes like that were came in a bottle that you could like wash your face with mm-hmm. uh, to achieve, yeah, that nice pasty male look apparently uh you could also nibble on some arsenic wafers uh that were sold by the drugstore stating that you could just quote unquote nibble on them little bit by little bit and it was all safe for consumption and that it would help you achieve that pale complexion i'd say i think arsenic wafers are my favorite what why are they your favorite um because it's just so in your face of like, here, have an arsenic wa- uh, wafer, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I just think it's cool. And, and the advertisements for it are just really neat. For some reason, they also like remind me of the communion wafers. I don't know why that's what I think that they, I'm just like, come get your Christ wafers. Yeah. You'll die. You'll die pretty soon, but it's all good. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, and so on top of the arsenic wafers, according to Andrew Maharg, an arsenic expert and professor of biogeochemistry at the university of Aberdeen, Regular exposure to minute amounts of inorganic arsenic, which is 10 parts per billion, 
increases a person's risk for heart disease and cancer on top of a long list of horrific side effects such as renal failure, epilepsy, and numbness, to name a few. Um, Higher doses of arsenic cause the skin deformities that these wafers claimed to remedy, which Mm -hmm. was also interesting because the ugly girl papers, I don't know if she had a good editor or not but like a lot of them would be like use an ammonia wash for this and then all of a sudden it like later on it would talk about ammonia like is bad for the skin like don't it it would contradict itself later in the papers like wow so so that's always fun too so you're like which is it which do you look miss powers which which way do I need to go to achieve my my heroin chic my tuberculo my tuberculosis <laughs> glow? <laughs> well, oh, you're gosh. probably not reading the whole thing. You just read what you you know wanted to come for. So why yeah. read the rest, which tells you not to do it? Yeah, which it also leads to kind of the the next thing that if you wanted to go more the painted lady route you could paint your face with a white lead like oh my god like foundation um and it kind of reminds me of like the thick foundation of the 2000s that you would have like that nice like the line line that your mom's yelling at you to blend in and you're like oh yeah fine mom um and so that's ironic because, of course, you know, you put this lead-based paint on your face and <laughs> you start to get blemishes and your skin starts to fall off. So you're like, let me just cake more on there. That'll definitely take care of the problem, right? Yeah. And it's it's much like what we do with like foundation when we were in high school. We're like, cover the pimple up with more foundation. And you're like, that's counterintuitive, my right. friend. Right. Counterintuitive. My mom never let me wear foundation, so... I still don't. She was like, that's too much. That's too womanly. You're in high school. You be a kid. Yeah. You can wear a mascara. But I think it was also because she didn't wear makeup and didn't know how to wear makeup. So (laughs) it's like, I don't know. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. And now I still don't know how to wear makeup. So I don't know how to wear makeup at all. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it now, but I wasn't at the time because all my friends were wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, come on. I want some uh, wafer makeup with lead paint in wa- it. <laughs> um, yeah, so people would use the lead-based foundation, if you will, to cover blemishes and scars. And of course, lead poisoning started to happen on top of this. Huh. Um, so signs of headaches, constipation, memory loss pain and numbness paralysis and of course death i feel like i should be reading that really fast kind of like how we get our um oh, the pharmacy birth control yeah our birth control commercials where it's like may cause blah 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 blah, 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 blah. hopefully you're fine you're yeah like, okay yeah. um yeah i just like that the word corrosion was used when i was reading about the lead-based <laughs> yikes corrosion of the face yikes um so for the most part victorian women strive for natural beauty and ladies of high social standing rarely admitted to actually using makeup although of course they most certainly were not born with it so they did (laughs) not have the maybelline x factor so it sounds to me like so was it high society had the, well, of course they always have the option, but was it more, um, socially, uh, not acceptable, but you were at a higher social status. If you looked more like the painted lady versus the natural or did either fly in high society? Do you know? I I feel like from what I gathered from my research is that either of them could fly like both of them were meant to be like like the white isn't so white that it would look like your eggshell color on your wall or something but you're trying Mm -hmm. to get like that like pale skinned face like 
you know, like you're trying to get naturally looking pale skin. Okay. So it wouldn't be like probably so, you know, like one is better than the other because you're both trying to achieve relatively the same look of like looking like a tuberculosis patient. The only thing that I gathered from my research was that like lipstick and stuff was actually like a no-no and that like oh like bright red lips which i'll talk about where that comes from which is kind of gross um that that was kind of like oh my gosh like you know and it's kind of what we think about women who wear bright red lipstick of today who were yeah we're just like oh my god like she went out like that you know you who were um but the so kind of getting also to your question is that the more brazen women wore also thick eyeshadow so if like the thicker your eyeshadow was too was not um relatively socially acceptable you still wanted to you you aimed for natural i guess okay okay because the the lighter skinned you were, the less work you do, which means yeah. you're at a high social standing. So everybody's yes. trying to achieve this light skin color to show how often they don't do anything. <laughs> you just wow. sit around and waste away in wow. the nothingness, apparently. Right. Um but yeah, so women also wore eyeshadow or called eye paint in shades of red and black. Huh. And respectable ladies lined their eyes subtly in similar shades, but very lightly. So yeah, like just just a little bit. Um, Those but, are interesting color choices. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm wondering too, because I mean, makeup goes back to like when we think of like blue and other things like ancient egyptian times right right? but i guess for whatever reason these were i'm wondering if it's because it's to achieve kind of like more like that sunken eye like like attitude right like death death eye sunken because like blue wouldn't be like that right so so you wonder if that was red and black you wanted your eyeballs to look sunken in and bleeding. Okay, that sounds great. But don't we wear should, red lipstick. That's going. We should far. try. We should do. We should try and do a TikTok of just like what we think would be a painted lady or a garden rose or whatever the fuck in an English rose, and like just see I'm, like I'm in. see how deathly we can make ourselves look. Yeah, let's do it. Um. So. What was in this eye paint? So for starters, it part of it was a s- substance called cinnabar, which was used oh. to kind of create that vermilion red. Yeah. Um, kind of sounds innocent enough, but it also contains mer- mercuric sulfide. Uh, so like part of, mer- I assume it's like mercury, right? And sulfur yeah. combining. It's a pretty rock. Yeah uh it can also cause kidney damage apparently oh so don't lick <laughs> like it. when you just lick everything <laughs> um and uh, eye paints could also contain lead tetraoxide and antimony oxide both which uh are considered harmful to humans uh <sighs> and this is what i also found to be incredibly like this is a horror film in the making, in my opinion. Uh, cocaine would actually be used <laughs> to wash across your eyelids. And oh it, like, so if you wanted longer eyelashes, they would <laughs> use hair from your head and your eyeballs would be numb or whatever from the coke that they washed onto your eyeballs that they would like needle and thread like fucking hair onto your goddamn eyeballs like your eyelids like they would sew your hair your hair from your head onto your eyes to create long false eyelashes and i was like what the fuck 
who was like i know beauty is pain but like at what point are we like that's too much <laughs> too far too far. too far that's wild so they would put cocaine around your eyes to like numb wash them. it on your eyelid to numb your so that was the numbing agent and then stick needles Apparently. and thread it through i like gross shit that is that's a heebie-jeebie level for me Something about eyelids, like eyelids yeah. and fingernails when it comes down to like those yeah. in horror movies when they're yeah. like fingernails break, like, oh, no, 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 can't handle it. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that had to have that. that I've got so many questions. <laughs> uh, like, you know, you're you like, always... my first question is why? Why? <laughs> that's the first question. Why? I don't know. You know, you always fantasize about like, what would it be like if I could spend one day as a Victorian woman? Um, maybe, maybe not. Or be very specific with your wish. Yeah. And you're like what it's like. Right. Or just dress up as one today and pretend to put on arsenic and lead makeup and cocaine yeah. eyes. <laughs> I should say too that they did have like actually like natural and like other good cosmetics too but it's just I'm wondering if like those were probably for people who had less income or something and sure. so like maybe they fared better in this long run yeah. like the long the, the long game of life right. isn't that funny I was just thinking that too that the more actual natural applications were for the poor and they didn't die horrible deaths they didn't have like foaming at the mouth and convulsions and <laughs> oh my god memory loss and constipation and paralysis oh my gosh i don't know though i would love to wear a shield green gown at least like now we could like seconds. can we probably at least make that color synthetically now so probably you're not gonna die possibly so, i'm sure you could um and then the last thing is well some of the few last tips and tricks of making yourself <laughs> look pretty a uh, victorian makeup <laughs> a victorian makeup is that victorian uh, women would add some color to their lips uh, just a little bit of, just like a little dab to make them nice and scarlet, a little like kinky, you know, and it, it's actually made from a cochineal or a parasitic insect native to South America and Mexico. Um, and so most commonly, so they kind of look like these like little flat bugs. Like beetles. Um, that Yeah. And so they're red. They actually, I've seen them in Tucson as well. They're on um, prickly pear cactus pads. And you'll yeah. see this stuff that kind of looks like somebody took like spit wads and just shot them at a prickly pear pad. Oh, and yeah. That's like this like little casing that they like live in. And like if you like mush it with a stick, it's like the ones at least in Tucson in Arizona are more like a magenta e color, but yeah. like the ones I guess in South America and Mexico are, are red. Um, yeah. And so the pigment is extracted by grinding the insect bodies into a fine powder and then boiling them in ammonia. And while carmine is rather disgusting, the dye only possesses a threat to those who are allergic to it. So only if you're allergic to basically Red uh, number 40. That's what red number 40 is in yes, makeup. Yes, and is still to this day. Red exactly. number 40. That's why I don't mess with that shit and haven't for years. I mean, you know, and, when I was vegan and all like PETA and all that other stuff, I knew like, what? This is insanity. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So from strawberry toaster pastries to red velvet cake mixes. Yep. Carmine, yeah, like red dye, number four or 40, uh, is commonly used in supplements, cosmetics, yep. whatever foods that you're eating today. And it is like, yeah, like it's monitored by the FDA and stuff like that. So it's like stuck on there. But I yeah. feel like we like, have 
other choices. I mean, in a sense, it is natural, I suppose, but there's got to be some other things. And I also found it funny that too, um, with the painting of the face and stuff that you women could go basically to stores and get their it's kind of like Lafarge. I feel like we're going to start using this. <laughs> I'm going to go get my face enameled today. So they would go and get their face enameled or like done up with like the lead paint and all the, <laughs> the all the things. <laughs> so um, other fun things that I won't get into, but they're just going to get a fun shout out. Just a couple of things are um, worthy of a shout but- out. Worthy of a shout out, Mercury eyeshadow and cocaine toothpaste. What? <laughs> if you want a fun numbing agent. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. So, and the the last thing that I was going to talk about, I know you wanted to talk about the Radium Girls, but uh, that lasted into like yeah, the 30s and 40s. I think even yeah. 50s, but um, the French made a face cream that was. Sig- had significant amounts of radium to brighten the complexion. So, um, yes, the Thoradia, uh, I have a, a fun commercial that I wanted to play if I can find it. Awesome. On my thing. Busy you in and out of doors every day. Think how much dust and dirt and makeup clings to your skin, too, and clogs pores. That's why your face needs a thorough cleansing each day. Thorough. Thorough. Cleansing tests were made by an independent testing laboratory. This same kind of dirt was made just radioactive enough to register on a Geiger counter. Leading cleansing creams, complexion soaps, and Dorothy Gray Salon Cold Cream were used to remove this dirt. The Geiger counter proved that Dorothy Gray Salon Cold Cream cleanses up to two and a half times more thoroughly than any soap or other cleansing cream tested. When you cleanse with Dorothy Gray Salon Cold Cream, you know you remove dirt. And more important, you remove every trace of makeup which can clog your pores. That's why Salon Cold Cream is especially recommended for a young complexion. A clean skin is a healthy skin, and your skin will look smoother and clearer when you use Dorothy Gray Salon Cold Cream. It's so quick and easy, too. Takes no more time than improper cleansing. For particulars of this Geiger counter story, write for this test booklet to Dorothy Gray Limited, Box 18, Grand Central (laughs) Station, New York City. New York City. Dorothy. Dorothy Gray. I was just like, the Geiger counter? Are you fucking kidding me? You know what it also reminds me of? When she had the, the, I don't know, it was like a stick on her face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Like my mask with the LED lights also has... (laughs) <laughs> i freak oscar out every time i put it on and he like carries sniff underneath the mask but it has um like these micro electrodes that oh my god zap your face and i have it on the lowest setting and i still have to lift it up and i even have put more serums like water-based serums on there to counteract that but it won't it like zaps my face, burns. Oh my god! <laughs> so I was like, "What if I turn it up more?" But I, I don't. You're gonna make your face melt off. I'm making myself beautiful and young. <laughs> I'm just like, what will they say about the stuff that we use today in like fifty, seventy, hundred oh, years yeah. or something? Oh, for sure. There's so stupid i mean we're just doing something there was nothing nothing in that video from the 50s has changed <laughs> nothing that's that's true nothing has changed in that video just 
the accent or maybe maybe radium i don't know Uh, was so was there radium in that cold cream yeah that's okay that's what they were um there was also zapping her with possible possibly radium i think i don't know if that was like the geiger counter oh maybe (laughs) that's what it was registering on the geiger counter oh my goodness but yeah so that's all the fun interesting makeup things it's just like how I have in my notes. Eyelash extensions. Yike. <laughs> That's funny. Well, that but was yeah. fun. Yeah. Glad we Makes finally me happy got it that together. I don't wear that much makeup now. Yeah. With radium or arsenic or cocaine in them. Yeah. So good times. Glad I'm not a Victorian. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh oh my gosh that's nuts anyway thanks wow thanks yeah for it was, you guys yeah it was super fun to go find very Im- interesting information yeah to say the least yeah so until next time keep gazing into the unknown Ooh. I don't know why I did that. <laughs>